For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. 2019 for Stanford Athletics, another calendar year filled with championships and challenges. And we're going to look at both of those aspects with a view from the top. It's a bonus edition of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. It is Tuesday, December 17th, 2019. Hope your holiday season is going well so far. I'm indeed Troy Clarity. Thank you so much for joining us on this special pop-up edition of the show. Normally, we only come at you during the football season, but every once in a while, there are some special occasions that call for pop-up tree casts, and certainly this is one of them, as it is a pleasure to be joined on this edition of the TreeCast by Stanford Athletic Director Bernard Muir in his eight-year leading the charge, running the show for Stanford Athletics. And you're, you're going to hear of a very wide-ranging chat, all sorts of things. Yes, we'll talk about football. Yes, we'll get his thoughts on on how things went for the Cardinal this season. As, as I'm not going to lie, walking up to Ariaga Family Sports Center and walking past the uh, football practice fields, it was slightly odd to not see the guys out there practicing and getting ready for a bowl. Instead, they're all getting healthy, and the coach is all trying to close out a recruiting class. So we'll definitely get uh, Bernard's thoughts on football, the good start for men's basketball, and a lot of other things that an athletic director in this day and age has to be cognizant of and deal with as uh, he tries to lead uh, his athletic program uh, through some intriguing times on the collegiate athletic landscape. So without further ado, a special guest. On the TreeCast, a special episode of the TreeCast, our chat with Stanford Athletic Director Bernard Muir. All right, Bernard, here we are at the end of another successful, I'd imagine, calendar year 2019, more championships and some challenges along the way, I'd imagine. Uh, Overall, when you look at the grand scheme of things for this season, what were some of your high points and what were some of your biggest challenges of the year? Well, just thinking about the fall itself, uh, it's certainly a a challenge. Obviously, the football team, you felt for the, the gentlemen that were a part of the program. Uh, we were pretty beat up, although we don't make excuses, but uh, uh, certainly I, I know that they had higher aspirations. Uh, the, the thing about sport is we bounce back and we look forward to the next year, and, and certainly we're going to do that. Uh, but at the same token, though, the high, certainly if you just look at the fall, even a couple weeks ago, where you have two championships on one day, just really unheard of, and but uh, obviously proud of the effort for both men's water polo and women's soccer, uh, especially winning in, uh, on the soccer front on such a dramatic fashion uh, against a very storied program. Uh, we're, we're just thrilled and, and obviously looking forward to even this coming week where our women's volleyball team will have a chance to go compete for a, a championship as well too. So a lot of highs. Um, uh, when you look at the start of 19, certainly there were other championships won and uh, other great moments, but uh, all in all, uh, I think when people look back on 19, they will say this was a phenomenal year for the Cardinal. Another one in a long series, it seems. And, and you're in the middle of your eighth season, your eighth year here as the athletic director at Stanford. And I think it's safe to say that there have been some 
maybe some seismic changes in some respects across the collegiate sports landscape. Uh, what has been some of the biggest changes from your perspective, perhaps on this campus and perhaps from a nationwide standpoint that you've had to deal with? Well, I think the, the one change uh, is the expectations continue to rise each and every year, even with this level of success. And I, I would say that comes from within. When you talk to any one of our coaches, I think they think the best lies ahead of us. And, and we have some opportunities uh, that will lie ahead of us that we are now trying to reach those expectations. It's going to require a, a united effort. We have a strategic plan that we're in, embarking on, and we're going to ask for support uh, from the masses, if you will, and uh, the Stanford faithful in order to really get to where we want the pinnacle position across all 36 of our sports, and, and that will take a robust effort to do so. Uh, as far as changes on the intercollegiate landscape, certainly what's going on with NIL is uh, of, of, of concern, and, and we're monitoring that situation, uh, seeing where uh, we can enhance the student-athlete experience, but do it in, in our minds in the, in the Stanford way. And so we're, we're trying to navigate that as best we can for right now. I think it, it's going to require some greater observation. But uh, that's certainly a, a game changer within intercollegiate athletics. I'd imagine that another big change over the past uh, eight years or so has been the influence of the TV networks and, and broadcast and all those sorts of things. Uh, a lot of pros because there's a lot more content out there, a lot more experience, and a lot, a lot more exposure uh, for a lot of programs that otherwise wouldn't have to have it. I'm sure there are some other things that come along with it, yeah. specifically the six-day selection, not knowing what time the kickoff is right. going to be. Right. How, how big of a challenge has it been now? Navigating some of those pros and some of those uh, challenges that, that that the TV networks and the broadcast deals uh, put on the put on the schools. It, it certainly has been a, ch a challenge, and then when you look at especially attendance and and the pressures that we feel, especially as you said, uh, this late day window in, in selecting games, uh, it, it does have an impact. We've seen it in the stands, and that's something that we're going to continue to navigate at least until the next TV agreement. And then I'm sure when, when that time comes, we'll have to sit down and really weigh the pros and cons of continuing the model that we have now versus the resources that were provided from the TV networks and trying to figure out how can we thread the needle so everyone can benefit, uh, certainly the schools from the financial standpoint, but also we want our fans to benefit, uh, which helps the schools ultimately in providing a, a great fan support. And so that's, that has been a significant shift in the last 10 years, no question about that. Uh, and we're trying to navigate it as best we can, uh, but that takes really time and effort and, and being nimble in trying to respond to the needs of our fans. Yeah, it, it, I, I could be wrong. If I am, feel free to correct me. Uh, it, it seems like a lot of what you do is, is try to uh, pull off the balancing act between different interests, the university's interests, the conference's interests, uh, the student athletes, the students, alumni, donors, and there's just a lot of All different, the above. yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of different facets to this. I mean, it, it, how much of what you do is trying to make sure that that you're having as much balance in between all of those interests when really some of those interests might run counter to each other at times. Yeah, we're, we're certainly, uh, I, I, I hear a lot from various constituencies. We are trying to balance all of those and, and at the same token make sure that we are carrying the message that that we are part of the university, we're integrated in the university life. And, and so sometimes you are, are, are running into conflicting ideas, thoughts, um, but at the same token, 
token. Uh, I, I am excited about the opportunities that lie ahead, and I think we can do it in typical Stanford fashion and uh, be bold and, and innovative as we go along. And so that is a challenge, but we also look at it as, as an opportunity for us. It's also interesting. There's you know the, the trends of, of, of attendance, you know in-game attendance, especially in college football, which seems to be going down across the board over the last couple of years. Um, competition with with time and resources and, right. and 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 people having different ways to be able to, to to consume the product let's face it the TV product has become pretty good uh, what what sort of challenges does that put on your guys's plate as far as how can we get people to the stadium and make sure that 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 we're serving our fans the people that actually take the time and the investment to come down and, and to see our product live and in person that we're serving them the best that we can well you, you, one of the things that we do is we survey our our, our season ticket holders are the fans that just show up um, on, on buy a ticket on game day. Uh, and we get a lot of feedback, uh, both positive and negative. And what we're trying to do right now during the offseason is sorting through before we go out and do renewals. We know we have to provide value. And how can we enhance that value across the board for all of the constituents? Because we want them to enjoy coming to the stadium, taking in game day, uh, and, and obviously watching our team in action. And so we have to do a thorough evaluation to see where can we make enhancements in order to keep people coming and making it a, the most enjoyable experience. And so uh, we're in the process right now trying to figure that out. What improvements can we make in real time before the uh, 2020 season? And, and so that's something that uh, uh, we're keeping in mind as well as trying to operate within a budget and, and making sure that we stay within, uh, the lack of a better word, the fairway uh, to make sure we don't go too far out of bounds in what we're trying to provide. So um, it is it is it's something that is going to be ongoing and needs constant evaluation because at the end of the day, we want to make sure it's a great experience for all. What was the biggest misconception that you think people have about what you do on a day in and day out basis? Um, I, I, you know, I think, well, one, let me make, let me make it clear. Uh, when you look at jobs across the country, in my mind, this is the best job uh, in intercollegiate athletics when you're around bright young people, uh, great coaches, uh, great uh, staff as well. Uh, it is a terrific opportunity to to lead and 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 uh, continue to maintain a program that has high standards uh, and one uh, that is aspiring for excellence in every way we we do it. Um, at the same token, I think sometimes people think it's an easy opportunity to do all those things uh, and that, especially from a financial standpoint, that we have all the resources we possibly could need. And uh, we, we're, we, are, we, we are fortunate. We have a robust endowment that has been built up over the years, thanks to and, and great part to the support from many within the Stanford community. Uh, we still need to continue to grow that because our goal is for every one of our 36 sports to have our student athletes wake up and think, you know what, they can be in the hunt for the opportunity to, to win uh, championships and obviously have a great experience um, both on and off the playing surface. And so uh, I think sometimes people think, boy, they don't need anything else in, in that particular area. And, and that's not true because the interests continue to grow. Um, there is uh, a, a competitiveness that goes on throughout, permeates throughout the department, and we're trying to meet that competitiveness as best we can. 
All right, let's talk football. Uh, obviously, not the season that uh, that was that was on the table uh, for for anyone involved with the program. Uh, I'll start with a general overall, and then kind of zoom in a little bit as we go. Uh, Stanford, obviously, not a school that that has its identity and self-worth and fortunes tied solely to the football program. That might seem to be the case at other places. Stanford's not one of them. But that being said, Stanford's still coming off of its most successful decade ever. What good things happen when the football team is good on this campus? I, I think just the energy uh, surrounded by when you're, I, I think in any particular program, when you're having success, uh, people want to get behind it. They gravitate toward that. And, and when you take a step, step back, yeah, you, know, you know, people sometimes uh, that that, that uh, interest kind of subsides. I, I think hopefully people that understand and and watch what unfold this year will know that once healthy and and we have new an incoming class coming in as well too. There'll be another opportunity for us to continue to grow and and get back to the standard that we've now enjoyed in the last decade. Uh, and, and so we're we at least internally uh, when we talk to the coaching staff when we talk to those around the program, uh, there's great optimism about where we can go. And it's just in a short time we'll get back to where we 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 believe we belong. Yeah. What, what what did you make of of last season when you assess it from the top down and how do you think it potentially sets the table for next season? Well, I, I think you would have that that question is better asked of of Coach Shaw and and his staff. Uh, but what what I take from it is you know we continue need to support the program and the young men who are competing uh, at the highest level. And, and so that's my job and and the the folks that from an administrative level is we know we can provide greater support and we need to if we're going to have the aspirations that I think many of us have is to compete at the highest level and and play in in great bowl games and championship games uh, to come. And so in order to do that, we're trying to just double down our efforts to make sure that that's uh, second to none. And and so from a competitive standpoint, like I said, our, our coaching staff can talk about that. I do think they won't use it as an excuse, and neither am I. But obviously, as you saw and many others saw through the course of the program, we lost a lot of bodies. And so uh, and we continue to, to look at that and, and hope that uh, those kids come back at healthy rest and be ready to compete in in the years to come. Well, what's your sense on what's your sense about what's on David Shaw's plate at this point? Well, right now they're trying to close a class, a recruiting class uh, during the early signing period here. Uh, we are making sure our kids that uh, were injured are on the mend, and, and then we'll uh, before you know it, they'll be back and getting ready for spring ball and. And then the cycle repeats itself again. So, uh, but right now it's closing out the class, and then obviously making sure that those who are injured uh, get back to and being healthy and, and ready to compete. Obviously, the number of players in the transfer portal, some areas of the fan base in full-on panic and apocalyptic mode. Well, what, what, what do you make of that? Uh, you know, I, I think that's the the new way of of doing business. Where the NCAA has created this. And we're part of the NCA. We've created this opportunity for kids to explore, uh, certainly from uh, a standpoint of student-athletes who have gone four years of getting their Stanford degree and have an opportunity for another year. Maybe they haven't played a as much as they uh, would have chosen. And now having the chance to go explore the market, 
uh, I think that's appropriate for us to do for student athletes, especially if you if you look at the overall well-being of a student athletes. That's their right to go explore. I, I hope and knock on wood. I hope many of them will come back and and uh, could take us up on the opportunity to play another year. Uh, but we, we we do need to allow them the wherewithal to at least explore what is out there. And what is most important is many of them already have their degree in hand, and so they will be Stanford men forever. Uh, but yet still, we, we provide them this opportunity. Last thing on football. Hypothetically, uh, we're sitting down this time next year. What are some things that you hope that we're talking about uh, with the football program mid-December 2020? Well, hopefully we're preparing for uh, an, another game and uh, a game with high stakes, if you will. And uh, that's the goal every year at, at Stanford. And, and so uh, that would be my hope. And then we would be reflecting back on a great year that it would have just passed uh, and a great opportunity. Uh, you know, I think that always when you're playing in this conference, uh, every game is tough and, and everybody's trying to compete uh, for the Holy Grail, if you will. And if you look around, there's there is great parity within this league, and and it's a it's a tall order to try to run the table, and 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 yet I know each coach in this league and and each program is very excited about the opportunities that we provide young people, and and so that's what makes this so interesting year after year. Maybe all the other conferences should play the exact same number of, of conference <laughs> games. Just just a thought. Just, just a thought. Just just yeah, throwing just it, out it out there. there. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I think many of us would agree, but at the same token, uh, we know what's in store for us, and that's what we concentrate on, and uh, proud of that opportunity to be able to go out and compete against the very best, uh, and, and so we'll, we'll see where that lies. Men's basketball, off to a terrific start. Um, impressive wins uh, in the top 10 in the first net rankings that were just yep. released earlier yep. this week. Uh, what do you think is reasonable to expect, uh, to expect from that squad this year? Boy, I, I just I'm proud of Coach Hass and, 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 and his staff and, and the program. Guys are just working hard. Each game is a challenge. Uh, very competitive schedule. Nice to have some home games uh, to start off especially, but uh, the team, what they've done on the road as well, is we, we take note of that, especially uh, on, on a neutral site, what they did in Kansas City. Uh, but at, at the same token, I, I think we're, we're still working. We're still learning. There's a lot of upside uh, and a lot of growth to come for this program. There, there's still a lot of youth on that floor every time they hit the floor. Uh, so I, I just expect them that they will continue to develop and grow, and I know that's what Coach wants out of out of his out of his team. Uh, but I, I think the best is yet to come, and and uh, it's it's fun to watch this develop. And 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 Coach Haas is definitely putting his footprint uh, on this team, and and it, it shows when they hit the floor, when they're rebounding, they're playing the defense that they're playing. Uh, good things are, are are sure to come. You just finished up uh, a stint on the uh, NCAA Division One uh, Men's Basketball yeah. Committee, serving as the chair um, last year. Uh, how was that experience, and how did that experience on the committee uh, kind of you know affect how you've seen the game and watched the game and watched uh, this team in particular uh, since then? That's a great point. It was a tremendous experience. Uh, one that uh, I will always look back on the professional career. Uh, it, it opened my eyes working with nine other members of the committee, uh, talking basketball every single day, watching number of games across the country. Uh, one, you just realize the passion that people have for college basketball. And it's no different here on the farm. We're, we're continuing to build a program. And we knew it would take some time and, and will continue to take some time. But yet still we have 
uh, a great opportunity, we think, in, in our men's basketball program to really grow and, and get, to, uh, uh, get to hopefully that national stage, if you will, get to March Madness and, and continue to grow from there. Uh, what I also recognize is the investment that's necessary in order to do that. We're making some uh, significant investments to continue to compete at a high level. I think there's more to come. And, and as we were talking about on the football front, the basketball is no different. We need to continue to invest in the fan experience because we want people to come out and watch this team uh, compete, not only now, but uh, for seasons to come. And with that, we know we also need to invest in just their overall experience from the time, the moment they open get through the doors and, and get into their seats uh, and watch this team compete uh, yeah, it, at a high level. Yeah, e- even now, every time I hear uh, Steve, uh, Steve Miller Band swing town on the radio, <laughs> I flash back to the band and the intro for the Stanford Hoops yeah. team and I automatically get, get all hyped up yeah. about that. It's no, pretty nice. No. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's fun to watch and, uh, and just having served on the committee, I got a chance to go around to various venues around the country and it was just a reminder of what could be. Uh, and we've, we've had the history and, and now we're just coach is trying to bring it back and and uh, I think their engagement with the student section and the band and 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 certainly uh, our our supporters is really important and we just want to continue to build on that how neat is it to have Tara Vanderveer just right down the hall and around the corner? She she I, I, she's been a mentor to many of our coaches, especially our young coaches. She's been a mentor to our staff, to to me personally. Um, just listening to her, how she goes about her preparation, and now to have a team that's number one in the country, uh, knock on wood, uh, and and pretty young team as well too, uh, one that's continuing to develop. Uh, I think it's just really special and, and for Coach to be still doing it uh, after many years of, of doing her craft, uh, I think is, is pretty remarkable. And yet uh, I, I do think there's a lot of great things in store for this program. Tara, obviously a trailblazer uh, in the sport, really throughout across all sports, I, I would imagine. But but so many other great coaches here on the farm. David Shaw, well-respected nationwide. Jared Haas doing great things. Uh, the soccer coaches, Paul Radcliffe and Jeremy Gunn, the cultures that they build. Not going to lie, I, I, I'm going to miss Amy Bacher on the lacrosse side. But I've heard fantastic things about Danielle Spencer. Uh, you look across the board at the coaches who are leading all of these sports. What sort of common characteristics and traits do they all share? And, and what, what does it take? Because this place isn't like any other else. You know, what, what does it take to be a head coach here at Stanford University? Well, certainly the, the common trait that they have is the passion, the passion that they have for their craft. And, and, and teaching young people the, the game, if you will, uh, at hand. Uh, but certainly they also have a love for Stanford and embrace what Stanford uh, brings to the table. And the education that our students can t- uh, gather here. Uh, truly uh, the opportunity to inspire young people to be champions in life, if you will, uh, is is something that our coaches embrace and try to do it with a growth mindset and, and making sure that uh, our student athletes take the most and get the most out of this experience. It's always fascinated me, the, the, the coaching search process, especially in football and in some cases in men's basketball as well. You had to go through that a few years ago when you hired uh, Jared Haas. How, how does that work from your standpoint? Do you have a short list available at the ready at all times? You just call up the search firm and have them handled it? How, how does that usually work as far as, as far as looking for coaches is concerned? Uh, normally, internally, we, we just try to gather names and we, we – 
it's not like we have names and sitting in our desk and we just pull them out. Uh, but when a, an opportunity arises, we try to scour the landscape uh, collectively among our administrative team. And it doesn't take long to get to that short list. Uh, uh, but we kind of narrow it very quickly, uh, figure out who we think might be a good fit for this institution, uh, this special place. And then we go out and try to engage and, and talk to people to see if there's a mutual interest. And, and that takes, it doesn't take as long as people might think, um, but, uh, or, uh, but we, we want to be deliberate and make sure that we find the right fit. And so, um, but, but to, to say that, I know uh, other athletic directors, my counterparts at other places have said they got something in their, in their desk drawer. We, we don't have that for 36 sports. And so, uh, but we know that if an opportunity arises, we're going to scour the country to find the right person to, to lead our programs. And I think when you look at the stable of coaches that we have, um, pretty remarkable group of people. Uh, when I sit around our coaches' meetings and, and just look around at who's leading our programs, just you got to well up with pride knowing that this is a, a group that really collaborates uh, uh, amongst each other and, and also certainly with the administration providing feedback and, and how we set our course to be the very best as we desire to be uh, across the board. And it really seems to be interesting, you know, talking to other, uh, especially younger uh, head coaches up and down the conference across yeah. several different sports about how much more of an emphasis seems to be placed nowadays on the athlete's mental health and interpersonal relationships. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great to be a great teammate and all yeah. that, but how great are you as a human being? Those can be, those can be two completely yeah. different things. Uh, what's your sense of, of, of that trend of coaches you know, and athletic departments as a whole paying much more attention to the development of that side of the student athlete as well? I, I think all departments, I know s sitting in Pac-12 meetings, it's been a, uh, a point of emphasis for every one of the, the 12 institutions is making sure that our student athletes are truly well-rounded and have all the support and tools necessary in order to thrive in college. And so it, when I look at the areas in which we've invested in in recent years, boy, the mental health has been a significant one. Nutrition, um, the sports performance, the, the, the medical side, the athletic training uh, and sports medicine, the sports science, everything in order to provide our student athletes with the appropriate care that they can balance all the things that are coming at them, especially in a place like Stanford where we know the rigors of the academics are so strong and we know also competing uh, in, those, in that format is just as difficult. And so uh, making sure that they have the, uh, the outlets in which to balance all of that is pretty important. And so that's an area where we continue to emphasize and invest in. Uh, so we provide them the adequate support so they can navigate through uh, their collegiate life. All right, a couple last things for you here. Uh, dominance with this school in the Olympic sports and women's sports um, as a whole. I mean, the last time you and I had a chance to chat and cross paths was the Women's College Cup in San Jose a couple weeks ago. What a cool event that was. What does it mean to you to see Stanford so dominant on the Olympic sports side and on the women's sports side as well? Well, obviously you take great pride in what our women have been able to do and, and those who are participating in Olympic sports. What, uh, from my perspective, my lens, what we're trying to do is just continue that regularly uh, uh, and and make sure we maintain or in some cases uh, build a level of excellence that is second to none. And, and certainly when you look across uh, those sports that you mentioned, uh, 
Uh, it, we do have an impressive resume, but we want to continue to build it. And so that's that's what's really important for us. But I love the opportunity that what we saw in San Jose a few weeks ago, that those kids, the amount of time and effort and energy they put into their craft and then be able to execute in the manner in which they did and be able to celebrate at the end of the year is pretty special. And that's why we're here to serve, to make sure that those those young people have that opportunity. And now we're trying to do it across multiple sports. Yeah, and, and maybe my favorite moment of, of the Women's College Cup was the celebration afterwards. And, and and not so much with the team by itself on the field and all those sorts of things, but, but that passageway from the field uh, into the clubhouse, into the locker rooms, lined with fans, and, 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 and the players were taking pictures with the young girls and all those sorts of things. That was my favorite moment. And I'm sure that that's going to be a moment that, that maybe perhaps gets etched in your mind when you think about the impact of, 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 of the dominance of women's sports and Olympic sports as well, I'd imagine. Well, I, I think it's part of the community building. And you see that in, in women's sports, Olympic sports. We also see it in, in some of our um, uh, in our football and our men's and women's basketball as well, too. Uh, that's part of building community. And uh, it's great that the, uh, the student athletes understand their role uh, and the power that they play in giving back and in inspiring young people to be just like them. And so that's, that is something that uh, is encouraging. I also, what I do enjoy in watching those moments is how they interact with each other and how they collectively uh, respond to all the all the work that they put into this to be rewarded in that manner is pretty special because that's something that they'll always remember for the rest of their life. And uh, uh, so we want as many teams as possible to be able to experience that same moment. Facilities. I mean, it, it seems like every time I walk across this campus, there's a new building up that I don't <laughs> recognize at all. Campus is always changing, no it, question. It really is, and so is yeah. this corner of the campus as well. Uh, softball making some additions as well. Uh, what sort of other things could potentially be on the horizon facilities wise uh, in the foreseeable yeah, future? Right now, not ready to kind of roll out our, our master plan, facility plan, if you will, but we are working behind the scenes to figure out what upgrades we can make uh, that can enhance, obviously, uh, the competitiveness of our programs, uh, especially the practice and preparation of our teams. Uh, but we, we would love to make some enhancements across the board, across the entire athletic footprint. You mentioned softball. Uh, that's We're finishing up by doing just batting cages, but there's other opportunities there where we'd love to enhance uh, uh, that program as well as many others and and so uh, but not ready to roll that out I, I expect in in the early part of next year we'll have a more concrete plan, plan and then and then we'll go about trying to execute on that plan which will require raising some gifts in order to uh, enhance the student athlete experience, the fan experience, uh, and, and for all those involved. So, um, but there's more work to be done. Like you said, there's a facility arms race. We like to say we're not trying to win it necessarily, but we need to play in it. And uh, and so we recognize even with the great footprint that we have here, uh, it's kind of like a, a park, if you will, by going from venue to venue. There's still tweaks we would like to make along the way. Uh, that will require a significant investment, and and uh, but at the same token, will will fit Stanford, and that's what's most important. Can I, can I put in a vote for a hot tub in the carving station <laughs> in the in the Stanford home radio booth at Stanford Stadium? Can I put can I put a vote in for we, that? We can always add it to the list. Sweet. I'm not sure if we can get to it, but oh. we, we will we'll add it to, add it to the list and, and then go from there. <laughs> you, you mentioned, I mean, how much how much attention do you pay to what's happening at other schools? I mean, obviously, there's a, there's a lot on your plate as it is, but when you look at some things that are you you know, facilities arms race, you mentioned, things like that. How much attention do you kind of look and, and see, you know, what's happening, not just within the 
Pac-12, but maybe some other schools that might be uh, comparable, like Notre Dame, perhaps. Uh, you know, how, how much attention do you pay to what's happening with, 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 with other schools? Well, I, I think each time that we travel and go on the road and play in competition, you are taking in what other schools are doing. Uh, our student-athletes are doing that. They are our consumers, and, and when they are being recruited and they finally come to Stanford, they make the right decision and come to Stanford, you know, they download what they've experienced or when they're they're competing uh, on the road they're saying hey we saw this at this particular place how come we don't have it and uh, or they may say that and then and and in some cases we might say yeah that that could be done here or or we or we could say maybe not now for uh, the time being and so that's why prioritization is so important for us and trying to figure out okay what do we think is necessary uh, in order to be successful at Stanford and that's what we're trying to 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 go about how we go about our business. We're not looking for all the frills. We're just looking for what is essential in order to compete at the highest level. Uh, and so that's that's important. But yes, we, we do have to pay attention to what's going on around us. Uh, but yet still, it's with that notion of making sure what's in the best interest of Stanford. All right, as we wrap this up, uh, 2019 almost done, the calendar year. We're about to head into into 2020. What are some things that are that are on your plate uh, as we head to the new calendar year? It, it's for, for me, it's just executing on a strategic plan for the department that allows our student athletes to thrive in every realm of their uh, collegiate experience, academically, athletically, socially. Uh, I, I do think we have an, a great opportunity to invest further in our department, in our programs in order to be successful across the board. What we use the term in the hunt uh, for championships. And, and with that, uh, we're going to have to go out and continue to engage our, our followers, our donors, uh, and, and so that's going to be first and foremost for me as we get into the new year. And, and we were talking about facilities and executing on a facility master plan uh, will be something as a high priority as well, too. Um, can we get it all accomplished in 2020? Probably not. But we're going to work hard to see how far we can get uh, and continue to go from there. Big stuff ahead, a big year ahead. you got a plane to Pittsburgh to catch. Enjoy it. Best of luck to uh, Stanford in the Women's Volleyball Final Four. Appreciate you taking the time out and looking forward to the next time we get a chance to cross paths. Thanks a bunch. Well, thank you so much, and happy holidays to you and to all the fan base. Uh, and we, we just are so thankful for the support that we receive, and, and we appreciate the followers and, and watching these talented group of young people competing at the highest level. Our thanks again to Bernard Muir for joining us on this special episode of the TreeCast. Evaluation appears to be the key word with him, as that's where they appear to be uh, sitting at this point, and potentially some big things in the works in 2020. Will football get back on track? How many more national championships will the Cardinal win? Can men's basketball and women's basketball maintain their fantastic starts, and, and where will their respective seasons end? I'm looking forward to seeing it all unfold. The 2020 calendar year should be another one uh, full of uh, fantastic moments and uh, challenges and opportunities ahead for the Stanford Athletics Department. Hope you enjoyed that chat, and uh, we will talk with you next time. Have a safe and happy holiday season, a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. Do not drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. That's all I have to say about that. And we'll see you next time, whenever that is. Thanks for checking us out on this special episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clare. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.